Welcome back to the New Mexico Rising podcast. This is your host, Amanda Aragon, Executive Director of New Mexico Kids Can. We are nearly halfway through semester two of our podcast. Can you believe it? If you're new here at the New Mexico Rising podcast, we do semesters instead of seasons, and our semesters follow the school calendar. We do a semester in the spring and one in the fall. I'm thrilled you've tuned into today's episode. It is an interview I'm very excited about and that I hope that you will enjoy. Be sure to go back to the feed and check out some of our previous episodes if you've missed them. We've had some really great guests so far, including APS Board of Education members, Secretary of Education Arsenio Romero, and many others. We've been lucky enough to have really inspiring and enlightening conversations, and I hope you'll catch up on all of them. We created New Mexico Rising to provide a new way to engage with New Mexico stakeholders by allowing them to hear about the positive and inspiring stories in education in New Mexico. We know that New Mexico ranks near the bottom in education rankings, and it's really important to us to discuss that tough reality. At the same time, all across the land of enchantment, incredible leaders, educators, and parents are working to improve our education system, and this podcast features their stories. Today's episodes, just like our others, features an interview with someone doing great work in New Mexico's education system. It's going to be a really great conversation. Please consider sharing your feedback with us. We would love to hear from you. You can share your thoughts by emailing us at rising at nmkidscan.org. As the kids say, share, rate, and review. Do the kids say that? I'm not really sure. But I do know that sharing an episode of our podcast with your colleagues, family, and friends really helps us. It helps get these inspiring stories out to more New Mexicans, and that helps us all have more hope about what's possible for New Mexico students. Let's get started. Today, I'm so happy to welcome Joaquin Moya to our podcast. A native of New Mexico who was the first in his family to leave the state and attend and graduate from Wesleyan University in Connecticut. Joaquin is a respected leader in the community. He served on the Council of the Hispano Philanthropic Society, and in recognition of his outstanding college counseling, he received the Yale Educator of the Year Award. Joaquin received the Albuquerque Business First Diversity Leader Award and was selected as one of the 40 under 40 honorees. He was also selected as a Lideress Fellow in 2019 with Hispanics and Philanthropy and received the Horizons National Leader of the Year Award. Most related to today's conversation, Joaquin was the founder of Horizons Albuquerque and now serves as a college admissions counselor at Albuquerque Academy. Joaquin, welcome to New Mexico Rising. Oh, it's an honor to be here. Thank we're you, so Amanda. excited. Yeah. I know we've been trying to get you on for a while, but you're busy and we're busy and we finally made it work. Yep, the schedule's synced and uh, the synergy's here. So here we um, go. Excited. Yep. So let's start with Horizons, Horizons Albuquerque, an organization that I've admired you for for a long time. I've admired the organization for a long time. I think you were in that role when we met for the first time. That's right. So just share with us, like, what is Horizons and what does the organization do? Well, thank you for asking. First and foremost, I would say, like, you and I both connect because education is one of our passions. I'm from New Mexico, born and raised, and we both know that there are um, some deep-seated issues. restrictions and limitations, unfortunately, uh, when it comes to students graduating. And um, one of the reasons I thought it was really important to start Horizons Albuquerque um, was really centering on 
summer slide, which is essentially where students from low-income families um, don't have access to resources, in particular academic um, resources during the summertime. And really, that's any time school is out, right? right. So it could be winter break, um, spring break, right, where they don't have that continual learning, um, most of it coming from experiential, maybe. Um, and so that was kind of the impetus for me thinking of, wow, there needs to be a solution in New Mexico that addresses at a school time for youth who don't have the money to afford, you know, summer programs and other opportunities like that. Um, the other impetus for me was at the time, um, and I think we met when we were both on, I don't know, maybe the Hispano Philanthropic Society yep, or something yep. along, <laughs> along those lines. But um, um, during, I, I'm also a, a graduate of an independent school here in Albuquerque. And for me, um, I recognize and feel a deep sense of gratitude for having that opportunity. And I also feel because there are so many resources at some of our independent schools um, that I wanted to leverage my relationships at the independent schools to create opportunity for youth who couldn't necessarily attend or wouldn't necessarily attend a private school here in Albuquerque. And so the partnership combines public schools with private schools. So it's a true public-private partnership. Um, and the opportunities for the students take place on independent school campuses. So Bosque School was our original partner um, in the early years. And then we added Manzano Day School and Sandia Prep. And so the students during the summer um, get to experience a new campus, get to have resources um, that are state-of-the-art and um, have sort of that emphasis on literacy and math, which is really where most of these students fall behind and over time that compounds to um, equal years um, behind some of their counterparts when they don't have that support with the summer um, resources and so that was my vision for Horizons and why I wanted to um, make a difference and an impact we started small uh, I think we had like four grades when we first started and now it's near 200 or over 200 students and we had our first graduating class recently so yeah that's um, I consider it my baby um, yeah so on the board now and um, supporting it in a different way but yeah that that's a little bit about horizons and horizons so I, I just love what you talked about in terms of that gap in access, right? So we all know in our professional networks and even families to some extent, there's a bunch of stuff available throughout the summer if you've got the capacity to drive your kid all around town Yep. and you have money. That's so right. you can do summer programming at any of the independent schools. Yep. You could do summer camp at Explora. Yeah. Um, all of those sorts of things that are awesome, and I think you and I wish were available for everyone that wanted them. So, like, what is the student, because you talked a little bit about Horizon students maybe being behind academically in math, reading, or other subjects. So, will you talk a little bit more about that, like the type of students that's identified for Horizons and the, t the other types of support? Because you guys do so much for those students and their families. What does that look like? Absolutely. And I, I'm really glad you asked that question. Um, so the model that we follow is essentially students who we admit to the Horizons program are just below grade level in reading and in math. So they're not the student that may be um, 
excelling or in gifted who are already at that benchmark. And the reason for that is because all studies show a student who isn't reading um, at grade level by the you know third, fourth grade, by the end of fourth grade, if that student is behind, their likelihood of staying in school and graduating from high school is diminished pretty right. significantly. And so the model intentionally selects students who are just below grade level. Um, we take about 16 to 20 students per grade level, in, and we admit them typically as rising um, kindergartners or just completing kindergartners going into first grade. And then we retain the student year after year um, with year-round services, meaning not just during the summer, but there are Super Saturdays that they have, after-school guitar and science workshops, um, and then some parent programming that takes place too. And all of that's required um, for the student to continue in the program. We target students from low-income families, particularly because they don't have access or the right. means, but also um, we did some research and learned that in the community there aren't many free out-of-school time opportunities. And so Horizon students who do get admitted receive a full scholarship to cover their summer experience and then the year-round after-school support that they receive. Um, so it's not a program where the parents have to figure out how to get transportation. We also provide that. Um, thankfully, the partner private schools that we work with um, provide busing. And so we pick the students up from their a local um, bus stop in their neighborhood and then they come to the campus. Uh, so that's all included in the model. Um, over time, we've seen these students work closely with our reading specialists. So we do have a full-time reading specialist that works with the students. Again, targeting those two areas, um, literacy and math as sort of the primary academic focus. But then, you know, summer should be fun right. and um, exciting and not more of the same. And that really is the approach we take. So any programming we do is hands-on, experiential, and not um, a, a, a repeat of what they would have had during the school year. Uh, one of the other programs that our students tend to really like is an experiential science program called the Bosque Eco Center Monitoring yeah, Program, BEMP. BEMP. Yeah, BEMP. And so they get to uh, go out into the Rio Grande. They get to, um, I don't know, uh, do uh, um, data tracking for um, jackrabbits and socorro. So they're they're all over um, New Mexico exploring different areas and um, collecting data that then is gathered to help us understand our ecosystem and for them to understand it better. Um, we also require swimming and there's an intentionality around swimming being a required component of our program the day they start. So what would this be? The first day of the summer after kindergarten. Uh, they are in the pool. And of course, many start off very nervous mm -hmm. um, with some trepidation. But, uh, you know, after their lessons and the summertime with us, we find a connection between students overcoming that fear in the pool and in the water, um, directly relating and translating to the classroom and their knowledge and their learning and their confidence um, increasing so that they do have gains in their reading and their maths. We, we see all of that connected, right? Just like nutrition, we provide you know a breakfast, a lunch, um, and then a snack, two snacks a day. Um, we even have um, partnerships where we send um, groceries home on the weekends with the families. And so nutrition, confidence, um, academics, it's all connected. And our program has a strategy to make sure that the student is having fun while they're learning, also building confidence, and then having that network of peers. Um, some of them, most of them have 
other scholars in the program that they go to school with mm-hmm. um, at their public school. And so that's also interesting to have that cohort yeah. of connection. And many students report back that it's their second family. Um, and so it becomes a long-term um, connection uh, over time that I think really serves the students um, in big ways. Um, so that's another piece to it. Yeah. I mean, I it's so interesting, right? Because when you do this work for a while, you get used to certain things and I think one thing that you and I have both experienced is this um, either or mentality and I'm going to be honest the first time that you and I met I was like oh which one is it going to be right and you're the first person in the out of school time realm that was like no no no. (laughs) we do both like the academics are really important Absolutely. and they drive so much of the decisions that we're making. Yep. And in support of that, we do all of this other stuff That's right. that is important for the whole child and for the academic outcomes. And I just, I love, I'm so grateful that our listeners get to hear you talk about it because I don't think we have enough people that talk about all of those things in partnership That's right. without diminishing one or the other, but to say, hey, we know that if a kid can't read by the end of third grade, there are real life outcomes that change that's right so we have to focus on it it is important and we can teach kids to swim and play the guitar and have fun and one of the things i love about bemp i don't know if you know the statistic i so in my past life in oil and gas we funded bemp oh um part of it we were a contributor to the program um and the statistic about how many kids live in albuquerque but have never been to the river right like knocked my socks off Mm -hmm. because I grew up in Corrales. Right. Right, right? by the so river. We, mm-hmm. I knew I, I got to go to the river where my other family is in the South Valley. So Absolutely, like, my family. We got to the mm-hmm. river. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't fathom growing up in Albuquerque and never seeing the river or like being in the river. So I just love that that work is incorporated into Horizons. and 1,000%. And I think it's, you know, everything from, you know, um, I've, uh, to be honest with you, received some questions about why we would partner with a private school, right? Why would you do that, Joaquin? Um, and and for me, I think the other piece to this is exposing students to new environments, be it the river, be it a campus they've never been on, helps them grow. Mm-hmm. I really believe that, you know, and I love that you brought up that the program also requires guitar. Um, the students in the program receive a guitar, um, and then they're then every summer and and during the school year after school have guitar lessons and many of our students started off with just like strumming and now can sight read music and the the connection to like the neurons around you know sentence formation spelling reading absolutely has been connected to um in the lessons with guitar um at horizons and so it's this interesting um tool right um that I think not only, like you said, can be something fun and new, um, but it also can be a way to approach those that may be a different learner, right? Where right. the traditional way and method of understanding a sentence structure or understanding how to read in general, um, even memorization um, can come with song and and a guitar. And so I think that's another piece that creates magic and music in the program for the students, right? Where yep. They um, build that confidence. They learn something new, and it's a different approach. So I love that you brought that up, too, because that's, yeah, important to us. And Um, I I think one thing that I've never heard Horizons get credit for, um, but I think you all deserve credit for it, which is you are actually doing a huge service for the public school system, too, in that 
you're taking kids who need support. Yep. And almost, I think it is a weight that should be on the public school. I want to be clear about that. I think it is their responsibility. But you are absorbing some of that responsibility by saying, like, for this cohort of students, we will take them. We will support them with all of the additional things that they need. That's right. To help them get back on track That's and right. stay on grade level or above, which is the same thing the school should be doing. So it's like actually, to your point, another one of those, hey, we can do this together. That's right. Um, and we have some responsibility for it. And there's an impact on the public school, which is helpful as well. A thousand percent. And I think what you just described is sort of this multi-dimensional approach, right? So you have the parent component where they're required to come to some classes to understand how to support their child's learning. You have um, the BEMP project, you have guitar, you have swimming, you have academics. When we approached Albuquerque Public Schools, and I'll be 100% transparent, we're one of a handful of nonprofits in the city that has an official memorandum of understanding with Albuquerque Public Schools. And we were able to accomplish that because one, they saw the value, mm -hmm. and two, we're meeting a serious need, which is the out-of-school time. You're we, a we, real partner. A real partner. We're not poaching the kiddos. We're not recruiting them for any ulterior motive. It's really all about supporting their learning yeah. and taking an approach that we know is holistic and that data shows works. One of the other things I remember us connecting on, Amanda, from the very beginning, like one of our first meetings, was that we both understood the importance of data. Yep. I was going <laughs> to say, like... <laughs> And in a so, world where I say assessment and most people are like, oh, no, thank right, you. You right. were like, no, no, no. Let me talk. Let me tell you how we use assessment. That's right. And it's changed over time. I'm going to be honest yeah. with you. Right. Like it's changed since COVID. Things have gotten a little different. Right. And right. how we assess. But tracking their data and their growth is so important for various reasons. Right. Um, and I can tell you that um, with positive reinforcement, um, with sort of that small one-on-one um, -on -one or um, – what you would call kind of a student-centered approach, right? Mm -hmm. um, we tend to see the data shows that the recipe for success is combining all those factors that we just talked about, right? So building their confidence, having support at home, having the meal, right, for nutrition in yep. their brain to, to continue to produce, um, and then having a different approach to learning, right, and understanding math and literacy. And I have to say, you know, to brag on my kiddos, they stick with it. They come back year after year. I think the, um, going back to data, the average sort of retention rate for a um, um, Horizon student is be between 87 and 92%. You don't find that in most pro summer programs where the same student is coming back from kindergarten all the way through high school graduation yeah. um, and if you talk to the students um, they'll tell you why they come back and it's because they're having fun they're in a safe environment the truth is out of school time is when most students are at their most vulnerable mm -hmm. yeah um, and in particular youth from low-income families um, and so we we I think, yeah, that's another important piece that when we talk about how um, we partner with Albuquerque Public Schools and why they see this as such an important partnership um, is exactly that. They know that the students will be taken care of. They know that there's data to back it up, that there's evidence that they will make gains. Um, and then the anecdotal feedback, too, has been yeah. really positive, too, from the families and the students and the partner school principals. Um, you know, we work really closely with our partner school principals, um, despite the turnover, yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to keep this positive. So, you know, we work really closely with them. And the feedback we've gotten over time is that they see a drastic change from when a student um, when a student begins Horizons, they 
start to understand a different approach to education. And one example a principal gave me, I'll never forget this, she told me, Joaquin, what are you doing at Horizons? And I said, why, what's going on? What are you seeing? And she said, the students who are in your program before being in Horizons were tardy almost every day. And now I see the parents and grandparents rushing in with their hair wet. Yeah. <laughs> we got to get you there. Getting them in on time. Mm-hmm. And I said, why is this so significant to you? Explain to me why that's the one piece you're so mesmerized by or impressed by. And she said, it signifies a change mm-hmm. in how they see and value what's education. Happening. What's yep. happening. Yeah. And so let's let's jump to we've talked a little bit about this, but I want to go back and see if we missed anything or if you have anything to add. Yeah. Back to the beginning, like you could, you have done a lot of things in your career. You could do infinite number of things. What was it that made you decide to start Horizons? Yeah. So gosh, I think there were a few things. Um, You know, I was the one in my family that, you know, I, I, uh, was the first to leave New Mexico to go to college. I went to mm-hmm. college in Connecticut, and I thought I was never coming back. Literally, I was yeah. like, I'm never coming back. Same. <laughs> See Peace <ya>. out. Yeah. <laughs> crying we, we connected, yeah. Right? My mom was crying. Yeah. And we connected on that, too, I remember, when we mm-hmm. first met. Um, and here and, we are. And here I am, right? <laughs> and I think I'm the only, I am the only one of my siblings who's still in Albuquerque. Um, so with that said, uh, I feel a very deep um, passion and love for our state. Like we both do. We've connected on that, too. Um, And it's real. And I had um, originally started a college counseling program at the Bosque School. I came back to New Mexico and uh, led that for 10 years. And after, you know, acquiring an expertise in college guidance and college admission, I, I really wanted to use my expertise to support a different population and also saw the opportunity to utilize the resources at some of these independent private schools for more students. And thankfully, um, these schools were very on board and they wanted to partner. They wanted to serve more students because they knew they couldn't enroll them all. Um, And certainly the stars were in alignment because Albuquerque Public Schools also felt really positive about this. And um, that was sort of the impetus for starting Horizons was to utilize my skills and expertise um, around college access, really, to address the need here in our state, which is um, really graduation rates. And when then I went further back into my research and learned kind of what we've discussed and connected mm-hmm. on around early childhood and how that is important. And then, of course, third grade, um, yep. reading levels, math levels, and how all of those are indicators or predictors, right? right. And um, I thought, well, if we can get ahead of that, What would it look like? And, of course, the issue of addressing Summer Slide. I wasn't seeing another program in our city um, that was doing that holistic approach that was not only meeting the academic need as well as the well-being and the other pieces, but also retaining the student, yeah. right, year after year to make sure it happened. We, I saw some programs that were, like, only geared towards elementary, and, again, all studies show that that continuity makes a huge difference for a student right um and so that was that was sort of the impetus and the motivation for me to start horizons um and now i guess it celebrated its 10th anniversary a a year ago i think we're we're um 
we have our first graduating class as freshmen in college. Um, and from that, I think it was over 85% that graduated from high school, Amazing. which was huge. Again, yeah. these are students who probably would not have been tra on track to graduate. Um, and it's all their effort, right, um, with a lot of support. Mm -hmm. And um, that recipe has just been huge for success and a beauty to watch. And, I, I mean, I think – you know, New Mexico Kitscan started this podcast to tell more of a positive story, right? And yes. that I think trying to combat this narrative of being honest about the reality, which is, hey, we're not delivering for all of our kids. That's right. But it's not because of our kids' potential. And it's no. not because of something wrong with our communities. Right. It's because we don't have the right systems in place. That's right. And so I love examples from Horizons and your students to show, like, this is what is possible mm -hmm. when we come together and support students with the things that they need. That's right. Um, and help them hit those milestones that we know matter. That's right. So, mm -hmm. so, so grateful to hear about it. You've also had a pretty robust experience, and you've talked a little bit about this already, in both private and public mm -hmm. schools. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What are your takeaways from working within and through and outside of both systems? Yeah. Um, gosh, you know, I, 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 I have to say, like, systems – and systems change most recently have been kind of my focus mm -hmm. professionally. Um, you know, most recently I was at the Albuquerque Community Foundation mm -hmm. um, and worked really closely in philanthropy uh, and had a different type of education, to be honest with you, around systems change. Um, and I see a lot of uh, the same learnings um, applicable in schools and school settings. Um, and I have to say that, you know, for me, I do have primarily a private school background, you know, went to a private college, private high school, um, but then, of course, middle and elementary, which is very close to my heart, um, public school educated. And all of my family is public school um, educated, either educators or educated. Um, so I am a big proponent of public education, and um, I believe it to be, you know, the true um, – point of access and should be a fundamental resource, um, um, you know, available to everyone, right? Um, and so it's interesting. I, I do feel like the systems change work in education, uh, just any like anywhere is methodical. It's about the marathon, not the sprint, right? Mm -hmm. So um, at times I find myself a little frustrated with how education um maybe doesn't move as fast in terms of changing and shifting and adapting as I'd like it to. Um, but, you know, I, I, I do um, value it and I do feel like it's um, something that requires um, that long commitment and I'm in it for the long term. Um, and so what that for me looks like is showing up and modeling, right. um, you know, uh, and that can that can be not only with my colleagues on the teaching and administrative side, but also to the students and the parents. Um, and I see all of those pieces working together. And um, for me, you know, really public-private partnerships are an opportunity in our community um, to rise above and to find not only how we can utilize the resources that are here to serve more students and to make a bigger impact. And I, I would say that's kind of my angle when it comes to systems change work within education and combining both my public and private school experience. So on that note, I think you and I have a lot of parallels. Yep. We both, I'm making an assumption here, do this work partly informed by our own backgrounds, right? Absolutely. Yours through your experiences, mine through mine. Um, and both of us are very aware of the major issues facing our students in New Mexico. 
very aware that education can be an incredible game changer, not just for an individual student, but an entire family. 1,000%. And we both desperately want that experience for every child. That's right. So what is one thing? And I know there's never just one thing, but what is one or a couple of things that you think we should be doing to support our students that we're not doing? Or one thing maybe that you experience in Horizons that you think could be scaled that would help more students across the state? So for me, I think continuity of leadership is huge. Um, with continuity of leadership opens up a, a, a lot of opportunity for system implementation, system change, um, combining, um, of course, the academic enrichment with um, the experiential learning piece um, and the confidence building as well. And, you know, we can't forget about the families, you know, and that piece too. So when I think about my one wish for what I would hope, uh, that would be continuity of leadership. Um, you know, we have such a high turnover. You heard me allude to that earlier. Yeah, especially um, at the school leadership level. Yeah, exactly. It's a challenge. It's, it's a, a challenge. challenge. It's a challenge for educators. It's a challenge for parents. And then it's a challenge for the students. Um, and so for me, that's one of the areas I would say if I had to pick one thing, it'd be that. What it would be. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about the work you do with families. Yeah. And then we'll go to our lightning round questions. Okay. Just tell us a little bit more about it, because I think you and I hear the same things all the time, which is, well, what's the family accountable for? Like, mm. how much can a school do if a f- – and you point. and I have heard th- yep. all of the negative stereotypes about yep. Hispanic families and people of color. They don't value education the way that everyone else does. I think you've shown that that's not true. That's right. In Horizons. Mm-hmm. But you've also shown that true family support looks like this, mm-hmm. not just – we have a parent night. Mm. You know what I mean? So I think, what would you say the difference between like what Horizons does is versus your traditional, and our listeners can't see me doing quotes, like parent (laughs) engagement at a school is? Totally. Um, I really appreciate this question. And for me, it's part of the formula for success. And you've heard me say that before um, in many ways that the parent or the family unit, because what I learned in doing this work and this isn't new to any educator. You would you would understand this also that the family makeup is um, not always sort of this traditional idea that we may have in our head of you know two parents and this kind of support. I on, honestly, with Horizons, I I found that many of my students were being raised by grandparents and in mm-hmm. some cases great grandparents, right? And some of the parents um, may not have had the best experience in their educational experience, right? right. In their educational right. opportunities, um, and so oftentimes what the work we did with parents was kind of healing, right? Those past traumas from their educational experience and helping them come to a new place of understanding of what it looks like and what it means to support your child. And um, I have to say that the um, parents are awesome. Parents care. Parents want to help their children. And when you engage them in a positive sort of setting uh, around, um, you know, skill acquisition, um, um, addressing some of their fears um, around whether it's language you know, acquisition and, and what that can look like. So a lot of what I learned was um, having resources that could be bilingual or multilingual is important. Mm-hmm. Um, also having um, support for the families around um, continual um, 
kind of building blocks around what support looks like and what healthy support looks like and how you can communicate with the school in a positive way to have outcomes that will support your child was another approach. And I also feel like that the continuity, again, with families built trust over time, allowed them to understand skills that they may not have gotten somewhere else um, or maybe just weren't addressed. Um, and many of my the parents in the Horizons program, Amanda, came back and would say, you know, Horizons has not only inspired my child and helped them academically, it's inspired me to go back to school. And so it's been this beautiful sort of- Generational change. There you go. Generational change. I I just want to bold underline a couple of things that you said, which is that trust is so important. Huge. Right? Oftentimes we hear schools say, well, if we don't have enough engagement from our parents, but there's been no time spent building relationship. There and you to go. your point, a lot of people in Albuquerque and across New Mexico had bad experiences in school. Yep. Our schools didn't suddenly get worse over the last 20 years. We have had challenges for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And we know that certain students experience those challenges in harsher ways. So a lot of times a parent not engaging in a school might not be because they don't care about their child. In no. fact, it's almost never right. that they don't have the capacity to care about their child. It's that school was not kind to them, not a place that they felt safe, secure, cared for. So why would they ever invest any of their amount of time? That's right. So I just thank you so much for sharing a little bit about that Horizons perspective mm -hmm. um, in, in the family engagement work because it's so important. Yeah, you know, one of the other pieces that I learned was in that trust building was asking the parents what they needed. And some knew and some didn't, and that's mm -hmm. okay. Um, but, you know, hearing what their needs were um, was also really important um, to helping us determine what programming we needed to provide um, to support them. Um, so over time, I think um, for me, you know, um, it really was solidified in my experience with Horizons to see how getting the family engaged, whatever that looks like, um, was key to a student's success. And also the ripple effect mm -hmm. for the younger, for the, the, younger whole, the whole family, the, whole the younger family. siblings, cousins, other relatives that were like, whoa, what's happening here? I want to learn guitar. I want to learn how to swim and then inspire to do this. I want to go to college. I want to go. I want to leave New Mexico. There you go. Right. All of those things. That's right. OK. So about you. <laughs> Who was oh, your favorite gosh, teacher? My favorite teacher. Um, gosh, you know, I had a um, high school English teacher that was very inspirational. Um, her name was Miss Perry, and uh, she was not only someone who would challenge us and hold us accountable, um, but she was also um, amazingly smart and inspiring in her um, rhetoric. So, yeah, she was an amazing writer and, um, yeah, an amazing educator. Love it. What's your favorite restaurant in Albuquerque? Gosh, favorite restaurant in Albuquerque. Uh, I have quite a few, um, <laughs> so it's hard to like pare it down. I've been enjoying Cocina Azul. Um, you know, Mas Tapas is another one that I oh, go to, great. and I have to say Baroma Matucci uh, is another one that I've. Uh, yeah, I think um, you're the first one to say Baroma, and it is delicious. Great. Yeah, oh, another one of my I favorites. Love it. So, yep. Okay, because it's October. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite hot air balloon? Oh, my favorite hot air balloon. My goodness. Um, I really, I have to say I'm like more of a like traditionalist when it comes to hot air balloons. Um, so I, I love the special shapes. Don't get me wrong. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm not coming at you. I'm not coming at you. 
You can sense, and I will just you can say, sense the like, internet coming for you. Like, <laughs> yep, no exactly. Shapes. No special shapes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I would say just like a traditional, um, colorful, like a rainbow colored type of balloon uh, is one that I really love. We kicked off our Changemakers programming this morning, and you're not alone. There you go. There's really? a lot of traditional balloon favorite Believe. Okay, guests. believers and supporters. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. To close us out, what is your hope for education in New Mexico? Gosh. My hope for education in New Mexico is that it continues to um, see the light as something, um, and by that I mean be inspired to grow and to think differently and to take an approach that we know can work to make a difference, which is continuity, um, looking at data and um the whole child so uh, for me that's not just academics like we said earlier it also includes their wellness uh, and that can include confidence and other other aspects of youth um, development so education to me is not just numbers and not just grades Um, for me it's much bigger and I hope for education in New Mexico that it can embrace that um, and uh, meet the student where they're at well, thank you so much for joining us, Joaquin. Where can people follow along with either the work of Horizons or any anything that you want to share or plug before we end? Thank you for asking. So um, Horizons Albuquerque can be found online um, at horizonsalbuquerque.org. So if you can look that up and follow us, we're on social media. Um, please, please look us up. And also, I'll say the thing that Joaquin won't, which is Horizons is a nonprofit. That's right. Um, and there's always more students that need to be served, but it costs money. That's right. So if you feel inspired by what you heard about Horizons today, feel free to head over to the website and make a contribution. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thank Please. you for being here. We're Thank so you. grateful. Thank you. At the end of each episode, we highlight any relevant education news that we think you need to know. Today's news is all positive, and many of these topics can be found covered on our education news site, nmeducation.org. Starting at the top, 30 community leaders recently started their participation in the Changemakers Fellowship, which is meant to empower and equip local leaders to learn more about New Mexico's education system. Catch the names of these Changemakers participants and learn more about the program over on nmeducation.org or at nmchangemakers.org. Additionally, a junior at Ask Academy in Rio Rancho, Darren Paredes, was recently named a rising leader by the National Alliance for Public Charter Schools. Catch a profile about Darren and hear more about his great work on nmeducation.org. And lastly, also on nmeducation.org, A local charter school, Gordon Burnell Charter School, that mostly serves students coming in and out of our uh, Metropolitan Detentional Center, has been recognized for a national award called the Yes Prize. Uh, Gordon Burnell is an inspiring school, and I encourage you to go check out the story profiling Gordon Burnell and the incredible work they do for some of our most underserved population. Two stories that you won't see featured on nmeducation.org, but you can read news about them in the Albuquerque Journal or elsewhere. Sanahi Iwaka, a senior at Albuquerque High School, recently scored a perfect score on the AP Spanish language assessment. And that is incredible, not just because for anyone familiar with AP, 
it scored uh, zero out of five. She didn't just get a five, she got a perfect score. One of very few students across the country to receive that score. So we're so proud of Albuquerque's own Sanahi Iwaka, and we just wanted to say congratulations. Speaking of congratulations, the U.S. Department of Education has recently announced this year's Blue Ribbon Schools. The three schools in New Mexico that have been recognized are Lincoln Elementary School in Gallup, Lydia Rippey Elementary in Aztec, and Monta Vista, Albuquerque, uh, Monta Vista Elementary here in Albuquerque. Congratulations to all of these schools and districts for the hard work and your recent recognition as a Blue Ribbon School. That's a wrap on the fourth episode of Semester 2. Thank you so much for joining us. Please don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can follow us on social media at NMKidsCan to catch all the latest education news and hear about opportunities to use your voice to to create change. Please consider rating the podcast and leaving a review or sharing the link with a friend. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Thank you.